0: Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome
1: to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for tuning in as we talk about the Sport of Kings. Nine days away from Kentucky Derby 136, can you believe it? I can smell the roses from here. I've been saying that for a while, but now more than ever, the talk is starting to heat up, and man, that is really getting my blood pumping. Things are just starting to take focus. Just pay attention to the major rags, and if you have HRTV or TVG, they can be extremely helpful this time of year with workout programs and updates. Just check out your web for what is going on, actually on Friday. Tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern Time, TVG is going to be doing a little derby update show. That'll be cool. So you definitely want to pay attention. This is a time when information overload, you actually want to get a little piece of it, a little taste of it, so you can be prepared. Be prepared. What's happening tonight? Recap of last week. Going to keep you up to date here. Biggins. Segment number two. We're going to have on one of the most... Respected Handicapper Analyst in Racing, Mr. Mike Bataglia. News from the world of racing and final furlong handicapping with yours truly. A whole lot of fun, a lot of action, and you're only going to get it if you just sit still and be ready. Jump in there if you like. Last week I played in a grade one gamble at Keeneland. It was the biggest contest I've ever played in. And by far and away it was the best run I've ever seen. Big buy-in. And it counted a, a live banking, wagering bankroll over $2,000. Only 36 players total. There was a daily racing form champ, the Hannah President, huge whale players, and little old me. I finished sixth in the uh, running. Had some real nice races. Actually, went nine for nine. Nine, nine races to Keeneland, nine trifectas. No uh, no triples, no, uh, no supers, no pick fours. Win play show, exacta trifecta, had some exactas, had some real nice win, win bets. Had a try three times, made 500 and still ran six. Personal best, I felt good about it. Keeneland puts on one of the best shows ever. If you ever get the chance to get in and play with Keeneland, do so. Made my prize money back and some new friends that I'm going to be seeing over the years in racing. That's always a good time. Speaking about seeing what is going on, you know, the biggins have really been uh, doing pretty well. I say it each and every week because it's true. All that you have to do is check out the site, winningponies.com, and they did it again. Nailed a $16,478 pick-six at Aqueduct on Sunday, four eighteen. Exotic predictions up to this day, 2.7 million and growing. It's never too late to jump in. There's never a line that just says, oh, sorry you missed the boat, because we welcome you at any time. I would say jump on in, take a look at it, see if it helps you. Talking to a friend of mine, Steve from Union, Kentucky, brought us some great points. Actually responded back to him on a comment section. Yes, Steve, they are very good points. And if you read the comments back to you, my friend, I think you will be... Surprise! because usually when you get somebody who works in track management, you usually get a little double talk. Nope, they're all great ideas. I'm going to put them all to use. Nope, they're not going to be my ideas. They're going to be yours. Steve from Union, Kentucky. Saw him at Keeneland the other day when I was coming out shirt and tie. He probably didn't recognize me. Probably thought I was a stranger. Hmm, might be. Friday, April 16th, 91 total. Biggins, Tampa Bay Downs leads the pack five thousand twenty five forty. TBD, Tampa Bay really stepping up their game. Can you believe where they once were, where they once are now? Incredible. Hannah recognizes them. It's a tremendous value. Saturday, April 17th, 157 total. Biggins leading the back. Hawthorne, race nine with Super Key. $13,034.20 right behind a Mountaineer, race five. Super Box, 11,088 even. Not bad shooting up at the mountain. Sunday, April 18th, 111 total biggins leading the pack. The Big A Aqueduct races four through nine at a pick six, 16,478 even. This is not the first time ever for Winning Ponies. Check back, take a look at the testimonials, take a look back at the results. I think you'll be pretty pleased. Monday, April 19th, 39 total biggins. Finger Lakes race one, Superfecta Key, $6,140 even. Tuesday, April 20th, 36 total biggins. Turf Paradise. Turf Paradise, race number nine, Superfecta Key, 7,721.40. What do you leave the clerk? I hope more than the 40 cents. Wednesday, April 21st, 51 total biggins. Tampa Bay Downs, race nine, Superfecta. Get a load of this, 15,668.40. TBD, I love it. I love their turf course too. And then Thursday, April 22nd, 22 total biggins. Leading the top three was Keeneland, Keeneland, Keeneland. But leading the pack was race number four, a Superfecta box one thousand five forty sixty. Then in race two, a Superfecta seven hundred sixty six dollars and sixty cents. Race number three is Superfecta box six seventy one sixty. Incredible running there. I'm telling you what, it's hard to believe. Keeneland. One more day and it's over. One more day and it's over. But then we shift down to Churchill Downs. And then that's where our man, Mike Vitagli is going to be coming in. We're going to be calling him up here shortly. He's going to be joining us. One of the most respected analysts, handicappers, great race caller. He's a whole lot of fun when you actually watch him on TV with NBC. He's not real stodgy and, you know, kind of standoffish. Mike kind of warms up, and uh, he's been around for a few years. I'm not going to say how many because that could earn somebody a black eye. But uh, one of the most respected handicappers. Long-running handicapping family, but we're going to have him as our special guest. Segment number two, also a little later on the program, very good friend of mine, John Patrick McDulan, Daily Racing Forum columnist, Equibase chart caller, race caller, you name it, this guy does it many, many hats, is going to be calling in. So we got uh, got some callers here, so let's jump out to the recap from last week. Aqueduct, race nine on April 17th, winner, winner, winner. Is the three, that'd be Tar Heel Mom, Ramon Dominguez, between the years, winning by two and a half lengths. Paying 560 for Stanley Huff. Gulfstream Park race nine, the Boynton Beach Stakes. Winners of I-C Road, Joe, Joe Bravo. Wins by a dirty neck, up in the final strides, 940 to win. Stanley Huff. Mm. Stanley knows no boundaries, I like that. Hawthorne race number eight, the 60 sails a gray three mile and eight on the dirt. At Hawthorne. Winner is the 8, Life at 10. Michael Bay's in the irons, winning by a length. Stockton, Edge Foes, late 7.64, Todd Pletcher. This guy just, he just knows no boundaries just well. Wherever they run, Todd's got something in action. Santa Anita Park, race number four, Santa Anita Handicap, grade two. Mile and a quarter on the turf. Winner is the 2, Tuscan Evening, Rafael Bejarano for the Irish Bread here. Wins by a solid link inside, steady handling, 260 to win for Jerry Hollendorf Chuck Better Delight. Santa Anita Park race, number nine, the San Simeon, a grade three, $100,000. Winners, the four, Mr. McGruff, Joel Rosario, in the irons by two and a quarter, lengths, 360 for Ron Ellis. Santa Anita race, 10, the San Juan Capistrano, Invitational, grade two, mile and three quarter on the turf. Winner number 10, Bourbon Bay. Rafael Bayarano. Bourbon Bay ran a little track called River Downs. Yes, and the cradle stakes. Oh, how time has gone on. And Bourbon Bay, Rafael Bayarano wins by half length. 360 for Neil Drysdale. Incredible trainer rider combination there. Let me give you a little rundown of the graded stakes earning. Topping the pack, looking at lucky. 1,480,000. Second is Noble's Promise, $738,000. Not bad. Rule, $645,000. Cigney's candy, $630,000. That's some nice candy there. That's sweet. Escondaria, $600,000. Line of David, $600,000. Mission Impossible, $485,934. The Eight Icebox, $457,500. The Nine Stately Victor, $451,112. Endorsement, $400,000. Conveyance, 386 American Lion, 378000 Dublin, 373208 Super Saver, 363832 Discreetly Mine 340000 Dean's Kitten, winner of the Lane's End. Stanks at Turfway Park, 326475 Interactive, $307,950. Also max 285 Patio Prado, 250950 I like Patty. I cannot wait for Patty to get back on the on the weeds. Homeboy Chris, two hundred fifty thousand five hundred. Jackson Bed, two hundred thirty thousand. Back talk two twenty five nine sixteen. Make music for me two hundred eighteen thousand seven fifty. X high one hundred eighty thousand three fifty eight. Setsuko one hundred eighty thousand. A little warm one hundred eighty thousand. Pleasant Prince one hundred sixty six thousand two fifty. And that all could change this weekend with the final prep, indeed, and that is, you tell me, the Derby Trail. Pleasant Prince, 166,250. Cortado, Spanish for Scarface, 153,000. I like to say that. You Wanna Twist, 147,000. Schoolyard Dreams, 137,585, and a 50, 120,000 even. And also looking to make the Derby Trial Graded Earnings List. First dude, 97500 Kind of gives you a little idea of what is going on. We talked about biggins. We talked about the exactest, the pick sixes. We talked about recaps. You know what? We are nine days away. Can you believe that? Nine days. We've been talking about this since the first of the year. Snow on the ground where I live. Ugly, but the sun is shining in my old Kentucky home in nine days. Just can't wait. Time to head out to our first break. And when we return, we'll be speaking with this week's guest, Mr. Mike Vitaglia. But you're only going to get it if you stay here on Winning Ponies.
0: $100 bills and it kills
2: and it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill. And I buy the bar double round the crown and everybody's getting down in this town.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports.
3: Voice America Sports. And they're off.
0: What?
4: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
0: Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Tuned into Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at one 888 346 That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer.
1: And welcome back once again. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking time to tune in. It is segment number two, and this is where we chat with our special guest of the week. And tonight, Winnie Ponies is honored and pleased to have on longtime announcer, NBC analyst, Morning Line odds maker, and one of the most respected handicappers in racing, Mr. Mike Petaglin. Good evening, Mike. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Hey, thanks for taking your time to be out with us. I know you're a busy, uh, busy lad. I see your face, smiling face down at Keeneland, uh, always on screen, and or if I'm down there, I always peek over and watch you.
3: Yeah, the, tomorrow's closing day at Keeneland. That's just such a short meet, you know. It just starts a 15-day meet, and it's over. And then, of course, uh, Churchill opens with the uh, derby trial on Saturday.
1: You know, it's it's hard to believe. I mean, I was so pre- pumped up. I mean, the end, uh, I guess that's the way we judge it as far as, uh, you know, time of the year, turfways closing. I'm really excited about Keeneland. Don't blink because it's over, and it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, it, that it's going to be over. But I was going to say, this has got to be one of the toughest jockey colonies I've ever seen down there. Oh, I'll tell you what,
3: though. Gomez is just smoking them. He's, oh. uh, what, five or six in front of Le Perú,
1: so he, he just had a heck of a meet. Oh, it's it's been incredible. Mike, yeah. uh, once again, thanks for taking time to be with us. And uh, I've had the pleasure of hearing your race calls and read your selections for uh, for a few years. I'm not going to see many because I don't want to yeah. get a black eye from you the next time I see you. But uh, oh. can can I've been doing it, it for 39 well, okay. years. Then so. how many years has it been?
3: 39 years.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great. We're both getting yeah. old,
3: Mike. I, yeah. I actually started, that's how long I've been at uh, at Turfway. Or no, I've been Turfway longer than that. I've been to, this will be my 39th straight derby. I started in 72 with River Ridge. I uh, worked for the racing forum. Then, of course, I started making the morning line in uh, 75. I've been making the morning line for the Derby since 1975, and then uh, started calling the Derby in uh, 78, called it all the way through 96. So, I, you know, the Derby's just a special, special time for me.
1: Oh, I, I, This time of the year, you've really got to be uh, stewing in, uh, and, and pumping here. You, you made mention about being uh, the, the morning line odds maker. Your son, Brett, is even getting in the family tradition here.
3: Well, yeah, we've, my, you know, my father made the morning line for Churchill, for uh, Hialeah, for uh, Monmouth, of course, for uh, uh, the Turfway, and he passed it along to myself and my brother Bruce. Uh, we both have done them, and Bruce still does the morning line at Riverdowns. Mm-hmm. And then now I've got uh, my son Brett does the line at Ellis Park, and, of course, I'm still doing the line at Churchill, Keeneland, and Turfway.
1: My so it's goodness. Just been a long We're- time. Where do you find time to squeeze a little
3: golf? So, oh, like, You can always find time for golf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you made mention of your father. John Battaglia has mentioned any time racing in Kentucky takes on a historical perspective of who changed the game in Kentucky. Old Latonia, now Turfway Park, your father was a visionary and began a yearly race that put Latonia on the map to the Derby.
4: Oh,
3: there's no doubt that uh, when, when my dad started – the spiral, we called it back then, in uh, 1971. Most people thought he was crazy because, you know, he's, his idea was for uh, uh, to have a prep race for the Kentucky Derby at Latonia. And the idea was kind of laughable at the time, but he said, no, it'll fit timing-wise. They can come in, uh, you know, t- to Kentucky early, run here, run in the bluegrass, and run in the Derby. And that's what he said, like an upward spiral, towards the Kentucky Derby, those three races, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't take long, because in 1983, just 12 years after he decided to start this race, we had a horse come in here called Marfa, Wayne Lucas sent Marfa in, he won this race, he won the race at, at, at uh, 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 Le- what was back at Latonia, the Spiral, then he won the Bluegrass. Uh, he was disqualified from the Bluegrass, and he went off favored in the Derby, but he didn't win. So, but he did take that Spiral all the way to the Kentucky Derby, and then after that, the rest is history. We've had just so many great horses run in the Spiral, Lanes End, uh, Jim Beam, whatever it's changed names, but it's just been uh, it's just been great. He also is the man that started night racing in Kentucky and Sunday racing. In, in Kentucky, so uh you know he 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 really did a, did a lot he, he was a visionary
1: and that that is just putting it in a nutshell. I mean every time I hear about your father Mike, you know it, it kind of goes on it's kind of like comma and you know it and it goes on and it goes on and it gets better and better when you talked about Sunday racing, I never thought there would be a Sunday race in northern kentucky i I just didn't think it would ever happen and no. then i I didn't think you know well nighttime racing, I mean, you know, there was just a a couple of tracks out there, I believe the Meadowlands, you know, uh, they they had thoroughbreds, I don't even know if they had a thoroughbred meet going, you know, as far as under the lights, but I can remember that, and the best thing that I heard about your father is, actually knew the game inside and out, but actually was a man of the people, and knew what the people wanted.
3: Well, i would be honest with you. He would sit in his office. He would be there all day. But then when we raced at night, he would sit in his office till all the races were. Of course, he liked to bet, too. But he would be <laughs> there. And when pe- people would leave, they knew where dad was. And if somebody was broke and they didn't have a way home, they'd stop. They'd either get cab fare, bus fare, gas money, whatever. And my dad would be there right there to give it to him. It was like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, give it back to me when you get it, you know?
1: <laughs> something you don't see out of, uh, out of uh, management 101 classes anywhere. No. <laughs> I mean, there there's some great managers out there, but your, your father definitely uh, left a stamp on Kentucky Racing. Actually, I would call him that, that intramat win, whereas he started it, and then he carried it on, and especially taking Latonia, which was just a dank little place. That was wide open. the 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 topeport was held up by two by fours, and he turned it around in in to what it is now, Turfway Park.
3: Yeah, and you know, after my dad died in '82, so he really did not see this race come into fruition. But when Dave first Dave Vance took over, then later Jerry Carroll took over, and I'll tell you what, they were so instrumental in keeping it going, and of course. Uh, Dave Vance started a race in honor of my dad, the John Battaglia Memorial, as a prep for the Lane's End and the Jim Beam, and, and he got that kicked off, and Jerry Carroll just kept it going, and now Bob Elliston and Keeneland, and uh, I mean, it, it's just been, you know, one one good guy after another has been in charge of this, I can tell you that.
1: It only makes sense, and you are right, and, and, I, and I've had the uh, the, fortunate, uh, the fortunate time of working for most of those folks, minus your father. I did not have the uh, the opportunity there, but uh, Jerry Keller and Bob Elliston, uh, great yep. guys, and they've carried on the Batagli tradition. Mike, you've called races for, for quite some time. You Okay, you've already let the cat out of the bag for how many years? What tracks are on your total resume?
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I started at Miles Park, which is now gone. Miles Park uh, was in in Louisville, and it's uh, now gone. And it was really kind of goofy the way I did start. Chick Anderson, believe it or not, was the announcer at Miles Park. And, uh, you know, he's known for his calls of Secretariat and the Triple Crown, but he was the announcer at Miles Park, and he was a good friend of my father's. And about three weeks before the meet was set to start, it was a summer meet at Miles Park, Chick got a job offer up east, and he called my dad and said, listen, you know, Uh, you know, I've I've got a better job offer. I'd really like to go. I don't want to leave you in the lurch. They said, go ahead, take it. He said, don't worry about it. And I was the publicity director at Latonia at the time. Well, he called me up, and and Chick, Chick was the announcer at Latonia also. He said, can you get an announcer to come to Miles Park? And, called and I said, well, sure, yeah, I'm sure I can get somebody. And I did. I called around. I tried to find. Nobody wanted to go. That late notice, it's not, it was a lousy track, to be honest with you, in the uh, middle of nowhere. And my father said, well, why don't you just come and call the race? <laughs> I, I started laughing. I said, Dad, I've never called a race in my life. And he says, well, you've seen Chick do it, didn't you? We used to do a radio show, a live radio show for the ninth race. Chick would call the race. I'd do the color, and I'd stand there while he was calling it. I said, yeah, I've seen Chick do it. He said, well, then you can do it, too. I said, (laughs) so I went to Miles Park. I didn't practice, never. I walked up into the booth that night. Well, actually, I told Dad at first I told him I didn't want to do it. I said, I'm just not sure I can do this. He said, listen, number one, Nobody comes to Miles Park," he said. "There's only a few hundred people here. Number two, the sound system's so bad the people here can't hear you. <laughs> and number three, no matter how bad you screw up, I'm not going to fire
1: you." I <laughs> said, <"Whoa." laughs> "I love it." You, you know what? You <laughs> he even talked you right into it and knew what yeah. he was doing. Yeah. Mike, Mike, I, I tongue in cheek here. I have to ask now. Every uh, every big time announcer, they've got their uh, they've got their patented. You know, he's going to have to sprout wings. There are two, and it gives me chills, even to this time, when I still hear very well bunched, and my favorite is gaining ground. Gaining ground. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I just call every race. I, you know, I, I get excited
3: when I call a races. Uh, I, I, I really do. I always have, and I think it's an exciting, uh, you know, it's an exciting venue. I mean, if you don't get excited, it, it's uh uh, you, you know, you shouldn't be in it. I get excited when I call the races, and, you know, I guess sometimes
1: it comes out. <laughs> but it, and it definitely does. Uh, first time I ever heard you, I think you lost your voice. It you cracked a little bit. Brent Bartram was about nine wide, and he oh, yeah. came rolling down the middle of the track, and I heard that. Ganey, that was my very first time as a as a young guy, and uh, I think you were a young guy up there, and I never forgot it. I probably Mike, bet you, on you, him. are you're, you're, you're very important <laughs> fixture on the Kentucky circuit. Uh, I mean, you just you work everywhere. You work at Keeneland. You're, you're a church. you're on TV, and and you work for NBC as an analyst. And uh, and the Wizard of Odds, per se, in many ways. What is it like working with this group of professionals at NBC? I, I'll tell
3: you what. They are absolutely great. It's amazing to me that I've been working for NBC for 20 years. Wow. I, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. But I I have this is going to be my 20th year and I started working the Breeders' Cup. Tom Hammond, who's been a lifelong friend of mine, called me and said, listen, you know, we're, we're looking for more people. He was the host, and he said, we're looking for people. I think you could do it, blah, blah, blah. I, he, I'd done some live TV before. I said, great, I'd love to give it a shot. And I started working, and I loved the, the uh, uh, producer at the time. His name was David Michaels. It's Al Michaels' brother. He was brought up in racing, he and Al both. And they, he just loved it. So he knew all about, you know, me calling the races and making the line. Well, he was all gung-ho for for it. And uh, uh, then we started getting other people. And Bob Neumeyer, who I've worked with for all 20 years, he's loves the racing, loves to go bet, loves the handicap, loves everything about it. Then we brought in Donna Brothers, who worked with me at uh, at the Churchill, and she's an ex-jockey, and she's great. Now Gary Stevens, who I think one, is one of the top jockeys in the country, Kenny Rice, who's <laughs> absolutely was, was did everything in racing in Lexington, and then you had Bob Costas to the mix. There, we got a new producer and Sam Flood, and it's just uh, everybody from the top down, and uh, they've treated me so well. And I, even Dick Ebersaw and uh, uh, he, he, you know, they've, they've just been they've just been so good to me. Ken Shands, or the president of NBC Sports, uh, they just they're great people to work with. All first class.
1: Mike, when you're over there and, and you're walking along, especially in Derby Day, you've got the mic in hand, and I, can, I think I remember it was last year, you're coming across as they're making that, uh, that trek over, and some, some of them have that stoic look, some of them are you know, kind of nervous, and you, know, you kind of break it out there, and you know, you're bringing the feelings of really what's going on right there uh, right to the fans, and you know, we're watching right through the screen. You, know, you make it seem like we're just right there. But I have to ask you this. Is Nuemir a character or is it just is it just Bob Newmeyer that you see on TV?
3: No, I New, with what you see on TV is Nuemi. That's him. <laughs> he's just uh you know, he uh like I said he loves it. He loves uh will will gamble with uh with the best of them and he'll uh but but he's a professional. Uh, that that's the thing about everybody. We all like the game. We all like to you know, place a wager every once in a while, but it's all done professionally and it's it's all done unbiased. We, you can't you can't give anybody any you know extra time or or, or, or you know do any extra favors for somebody that you uh, have bet on or something like that. It all that goes by the boards when you get on the telecast. As a matter of fact, we mo- most of the time during the telecast we don't even you know look at at, 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 at gambling as a, as an issue. It's just we want to put that put out a product. That makes the people look at racing and want to be a part of it, and you know you've you got to bring the beauty of the thoroughbred, which you know how how that how, how, how easy that is to do, but it 's kind of hard on TV and to, to bring to bring that beauty out, we try to do that, we like to get the stories about the people you know there's so many different people who have uh, different stories in racing, we like to bring all that out so it 's a uh, it, it, it's just, it, it, well, we all love the game, let's just put it that way, and well, I think that comes through in our telecast.
1: And, and in fact, it does. Kudos to you and Bob Newmeyer. Actually, when you guys are on on together, I stop everything that I'm doing because I don't want to miss it because it, it could be funny, it could be a little going back and forth, but it's always entertaining, and it always brings us closer to the game. And, and in fact, uh, that as you said, that's what being a professional is all about. Mike, Oaks and Derby. Derby 136 is nine days away. And uh, can you give us a little glimpse of how you see the Derby setting up as far as uh, who are we going to be seeing as your morning line favorite and, uh, and how are maybe the top three or four actually going to shake out as far as a uh, price we can look at on the morning line?
3: Well, you know, Escondre is going to be the favorite uh, unless he doesn't take to this racetrack. He's only galloped twice haven't gotten real good reports about the way he's been galloping in the morning, uh, just for the first two mornings. So he really hasn't put in any serious work or anything like that, but the first couple of reports of uh, the way he's been galloping around the track have not been excellent. They they said it was better today, but they haven't been excellent. Uh, He's he's still going to be the favorite regardless, but I think that how strong a favorite depends on his work, which I think might be Saturday and see how he gets over the track, because if you go back and you look at most of these Derby winners, they, they have to get over that track at Churchill. You have to like uh, like the surface. Looking at Lucky, he had a really good work yesterday. So he's already proven that he likes the track. Those are going to be your solid two favorites. After that, probably Sidney's Candy, the third choice. He's uh, been over the track, and they said, you know, looked pretty good, but I I think Something that uh, might jump up with a monster work could also probably be the third, maybe the fourth choice. Don't know who that is right now, but it, it, it just really matters. These last 10 days are pretty important.
1: And in fact, they are. Uh, I keep reading about Bob Baffert. It, it, it you can almost feel the smile coming through in the print that you're actually reading, and everything that I that I've heard on uh, on YouTube and such. Bob Baffert keeps on talking about uh, Pletcher and Escondida, <laughs> and it, it just seems like uh, Pletcher would have been the one that's uh, won three derbies, and uh, and Baffert's an Ophir. I think he might have a little something with looking at Lucky. That little, uh, that little uh, dance we saw in the Santa Anita Derby, I'm, I'm just going to dismiss that completely. You alluded to Gomez and just how professional he is. He got into it with a little bit with Victor Espinoza, but I think we're going to see looking at Lucky. But I had to ask you, uh, but there, there hasn't been a triple-digit buyer, has there? Oh, yeah, that's Condrella. No, I mean for looking at Lucky. Oh, no,
3: no, from looking at Lucky, no, no. There has not been one triple-digit buyer. And I'm a little bit leery about his ability to get the mile and a quarter. I, You know, I, I you, you've got to be a little bit leery about all of them. But I talked to Todd last week uh, prior to the Lexington and talked to him about es- Escondrea, and he said he has never brought a horse into the Kentucky Derby that he was as sure could get that mile and a quarter as he is with uh, Escondrea. He said that uh, this is a horse that wants to run all day. And you, you just made a mention of Todd's over 24, but that, that's kind of misleading. Uh, he's only running nine derbies. The fact that he's run 24 horses is just a testament to how much money his horses make. And when, they, you know, when, when he sends out horses they make that money, the owners want to run in the Kentucky Derby. So they get a spot. He's just, he's, he has had 24 horses, but he's only running nine derbies. And in those nine derbies, he's finished second with a 50-to-1, second with a 30-to-1, and third in another race. So, and, and he's never had a favorite, not one favorite out of those two. I think the shortest price of those 24 horses was 5-to-1 and maybe 6-to-1 on another one. The average price, about 13 or 14-to-1.
1: For the record, no besmirching Todd Butcher's abilities whatsoever. Because oh, not no, only God, as a fan not, do yeah. I follow, but as uh, at the windows I, I even follow even deeper. And it, it, he knows no boundaries. It could be Sunland Park or Arapahoe, Bangor, Maine to, to Portland, Oregon. This guy saddles them and sends them, and they all do incredibly well. I have to ask you about this week's, uh, this week's Derby trial. I mean, is this going to play in uh, 85 and a 50? Uh, uh, Pleasant Prince? I mean, is, is anything going to come out of this?
3: Oh, I very well could. I made 85 and a 50, 8 to 5 to win the race, you know, he's coming off of a couple of really good, well, two two out of his last three really good races, and uh, he looks like the controlling speed. He's got a nice post on the outside. Pleasant Prince, I don't think he handled the poly track at all. I talked to Kenny Ramsey um, about a week ago, I guess it was, and he said, you know, said so I'm going to run him. He said, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go old school on him. He so said, I'm going to win the Derby trial, then I'm going to win the Derby. I said, all right, Kenny, he's a, he's a positive thinker, so uh, we'll have to see. He's already got uh, Dean's kitten in there, but uh, yeah, if he can get another one in there, he'll do it. I think if either one of these 85-50 and 50 or Pleasant Prince, if they win, I think they'll go.
1: I believe I had him on one time, Mr. Ramsey, that is, and I said, ah, Mr. Ramsey, you're from Artemis, Kentucky. He said, allow me to correct you, son, it is Artemis. Artemis, yes. And and I have not (laughs) forgotten it ever since. It will always be Artemis. Mike, I have to ask you one final question, if I may, after these many years and looking back, which derby sticks out in your mind as your favorite?
3: Well, you know, there's so many great ones, but the first derby I ever called, there were two horses in there named a Furman Aladar. And if when that's the first derby that you ever call in your life, affirmed in Aladar, that definitely sticks in your mind. Now, I was there for Secretariat's Derby, too. I was working for the form, and I'll never forget that. There's just so many great ones. But the first one that I called, I've got a uh, poster of the uh, uh, finish of that race. And Steve Coffin, of course, who was uh, 17, I think, when he won, signed the, picked, signed the poster to me, Mike, we both broke our maidens on this one.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to yeah. kick it off! And you know, I, I never even thought about that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of breeze past and I say, "Okay, it's called, called, called." And I, my goodness, I mean, I guess uh, you know, it's pretty tough to beat the first one. And uh, you broke your maiden in in fine fashion, Mr. Benaglia. Yeah. Mike, uh, on behalf of Winning Ponies, I'd like to thank you and and let you know what an honor it's been to have you on for our listeners and and. Personally, I have always enjoyed your race calls, your commentaries, and, and I always still, still take a look in the program of who you actually select and love to watch you Keeneland and, and listen to you actually talk about your horse and your selection of the day. We wish you and yours the best on and off the track, the best of Brett, as he's now coming up as the next rung of a Bataga climbing the ladder, yes. and we'll be listening for your call, watching you on TV, and definitely we're going to see you in the winter circle soon. All right, thanks, Ed. I was glad to do it. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thanks Thanks. a lot. Mike Pataglia, man of racing. You're going to see him on NBC, and you'll be talking on the first Saturday of May. Time to head out to a break when we return. Hope you caught Mike, but when we return, we got more action because we got another man on hold, writer for the Daily Racing Forum, Echo Base, Chart, Color, and one hell of a good guy, Mr. John Patrick McDoolin here on Winning Ponies.
0: What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a 5 ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's Tough shot. got it With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one
0: is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer.
1: And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking time to tune in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of Kings. Joining me now, a man who definitely needs to have about a half an entire show to himself because he's a wealth of information and one of the best guys I know in racing, Mr. John McDullen. Johnny, are you there? I'm here, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking your time, Mac. I really appreciate it. Mac is Equibase oh. chart caller, writer. The LA Racing Forum columnist, racing office mainstay, past stakes coordinator, race caller, handicapper, and a guy that I call a friend. Did I cover it all?
2: Uh, that's pretty much it, yeah. Uh,
1: just, I mean, in a nutshell. Johnny, real quick, uh, we've got a we got a good guy calling in here. We're going to take a caller. We're going to jump out to Steve from, I believe, Union, Kentucky. Steve, that's are you right. there?
4: How are you doing, Ed?
1: How are you, sir? I'm with John McDoolin and yourself. Lay it on us. I know we probably got some insights. Oh, and, hey, thank you very much for the comment, all of which is heated and will be going into motion at our little oval. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's it's always good to hear from people with an idea. I hate a complaint without without an answer. You actually brought up a, a problem and gave some solutions. And you know what? I looked at it, and a lot of track managers will look at things and say, no, 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 nope. I liked them all, and uh, it was not a personal thing. It was good stuff. Do you have any winners for us, Steve, or uh, any uh, any stories of uh, of many Benjamins in your pocket?
4: Uh, you know, the, the Benjamin story, a couple, uh, couple of Sundays ago, we saw you out at uh, Keeneland, and mm-hmm. my wife, she's got the racing thing figured out. She just picks horses by name, and she's just incredi- <laughs> incredibly successful at it. Uh, she liked the name... Um, what is it, Pretty Miss Kitty, and it won, and it was a long shot, and then, so the next race, oh, I like the name Stan the Tap Man, and so I put that in a pick three, and it won, and then there was a first-time starter from Winning Ponies that won the next race, and then there was a five-horse field in the next race, so I did the smart thing and hit the all button, so that, that was a real nice winner, um, but... uh yeah, the the thing we were talking about, there, there's a lot of things that the tracks can do to bring people out, and, and I think that they can do a better job. Winners, I really, really love the funny bone in the withers mm-hmm. at, uh, at Aqueduct on Saturday. It's a short price, but uh, I, don't, I don't see any way that horse isn't going to win. Ruby yeah. Trial, I like 85 and a 50. Don't love it, though.
1: You heard Mike Pataglia. It could be the controlling speed but uh might Mike, uh Mike out there. John McDuan, do you have any words of wisdom on uh, either one of those? Oh, on, on what? I'm sorry. Do you have any do you have any words of wisdom on the one to two shot in the Withers Defunny Bone and or eighty five and a fifty in
2: the Derby trial? Uh, you know what, Ed, I haven't even looked at either one of those. I've I've I looked at the Derby and I, no, I couldn't I couldn't tell you.
1: I'll tell you what. Well, they're both chalk, and that's why you didn't look. I, I do know that because you play a little bit of a price. But Steve, other than, other than the two obvious favorites there, which you know they're they're throwing it out there, but they have to run the race. They if they they put it on paper, it would all done be over. But other than that, do you have a price that you want to toss out? Well,
4: uh, you know, I I think that the the Derby trial is going to be a a good indicator, maybe of how the Derby is going to run. It depends on the weather. I think that we're going to get some rain Saturday. Mhm. That's going to be a, a big interesting point, uh, see how the track runs and see how the speed horses do. So that, that's, that's something that I don't know what the weather's going to be like a week from Saturday, but uh, that, that's, going to be, that's going to be very interesting.
1: It is, in fact.
4: I thought I saw you on the
1: way out of Keeneland the other day. You saw me in a, in a, in a shirt and tie. It probably scared you. You couldn't believe it was me, actually. But uh, did you do any good that day?
4: Uh you know I, I did pretty well um you know hit a, hit a couple nice ones winning ponies is always just does a wonderful job uh don't know what I'd do without them I I think I'd be lost um uh, but uh yeah did pretty well I and mean, and sounds like you god I can't imagine nine tries Got nine, nine out of nine way way
1: out of my uh, you know what I was unconscious that day but finished Six in the in the Grade 1 gamble whole lot of fun and I'll tell you what. Uh, I was definitely unconscious, but uh, as you did well, you know where I uh, received some of my information as well. Thanks. Well, Steve, I'm going to head out to John McDoolin now, and I'm going to get some words of wisdom from him. He might impart a few winners to us. Thanks. <laughs> I, I need some. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Steve. Soon, we'll talk to you soon. All right. I, Thank you very much, John McDoolin, Are you there? I'm still here, Ed. How you doing? I am doing very well, John. You spend most of your time on the Ohio circuit. Even though you write for the Daily Racing Forum and Equibase takes you all over, this year, 2010, could be the year of change in Ohio. In your opinion, what is the state of racing in Ohio, and are there any new possibilities on the horizon?
2: Well, you know, I hate following Mike and uh, all the words of wisdom he had, and now we're talking about Ohio, but, yeah, there are actually a few things going on. We, in November... Um, it, it goes up for a vote. The VLTs, video lottery terminals, um, that the, the racetracks, seven racetracks in Ohio, can possibly get. And from all indications, it looks like that'll happen. And, and the problem is getting to that point. Um, you know, if, if River Downs can get through it, and Thistledowns can make it through, um, I, I I feel like you know it, if they get the very video lottery terminals. Um, things will change big time. Uh, the purses will go up. You know the fields will get bigger and better, and everything will be great. That that's kind of the key. Uh, Penn National uh, bought River Down, or uh, Riverdowns, bought Beulah Park. Um, that still hasn't been okayed. Um, Penn National went in front of the Ohio Racing Commission uh, on the twentieth, a couple days ago. On the twentieth, and you know, pled their case that they didn't want to sell Beulah. They weren't. You know, they wanted to stick in for the long term and that they were going to put money into hoping that uh, VLTs will pass in November, which I think is a huge thing because they've got deep, deep pockets. Um, So I think that'll help, and it's kind of proven that uh, politics in Ohio is all about the money, and and they certainly have the money. So um, we've got short fields at River right now, and hopefully once Beulah closes, that'll change and they'll start taking in a little more money. Um, they're running 104 days. Management wants less. The horsemen, uh, they, they voted last week, and they split 21-21 as to what the local horsemen wanted. Um, actually, it looks like it will go to arbitration on the 29th, and the arbitrator will, you know, suggest to the commission. It's not binding arbitration, but they will suggest to the commission what they think, and then we'll decide how many days River Down runs. But like I said, it 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 all goes to November and and the people voting for the uh, video lottery terminals at the track. So
1: Well Mac, I'll tell you what, it seems like there's a lot going on in Ohio and you know and it's it's always uh, to be determined or if we're watching an old soap opera, you know, stay tuned for next week and uh, right. it sounds like, you know, this is the case in Ohio. We just we're optimistically pressing forward. So, okay, that's on a burner. And, and secondly, let let me say this: Is it possible to bring you back? Because I need more more of Max' time to bring you back, and we go about a go about a half a show, just you and I going back and forth talking about racing, the state thereof, and uh, in, in your your selections and what you do. Because I, I just don't feel that this does justice having you on in a few minutes. Mike was great. Mike is very respected. But you know what? You're a Daily Racing Form columnist. I enjoy your pieces as well. And talking about the Kentucky Derby 136, it's coming to nine days away. Nine days away. And I'm going to pinch you, and I'm going to twist your, your sore toe here. John Patrick McDoolin, where do we go from here for Kentucky Derby
2: 136? Well, there's two horses. Um, you know, like Mike said, looking at Lucky is going to be one of the favorites. And I I've I watched uh, both his uh, his race at Santa Anita and his race at Oakland Park, and the thing that concerns me is in both races he got stopped. Uh, the the one at Santa Anita, I mean, he got absolutely stopped. As I mean, stopped and had to start over again on the far turn. And that, I mean, he still ran third and he was gaining, and and that's pretty impressive to me. And uh, in in the Rebel, um, he got stopped on the turn and still came back to win and, and um, that's awfully impressive to me. So uh, looking at Lucky to me is, you know, Oskandero will like Mike said, will be the favorite, but I, I think looking at Lucky's got a huge shot. And then the other uh, the other horse is Line of David, who actually won the Arkansas Derby. The horse uh, went on the lead. He went 22-45, 110, and still when they came to him in the stretch, he dug in again, and, and horses like that just won't let anybody go by him. I mean, that's the kind of horse you want. And the horse is going to be, I don't know, he's like 30 to 1 on the morning line. And I expect him to run a bit. He'll set the pace. And, you know, he's going to give it his all on the track. You know, maybe he'll let somebody go by and maybe he won't. But, um, yeah, at that price, I think he'll be in the top three.
1: I'll tell you what, Mac. This last 440 yards, heartbreak lane down there on uh, Derby Day—I <laughs> I, I don't think there's a tougher stretch of land in this nation than on that day.
2: Yeah, you're right about that. That's that's always the way it is. But you know, in the last—I don't know how many years—the uh, horse that's in front at the at the eighth pole seems to win. So, um, I mean, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, um, you know, every once in a while you get a horse come from the clouds, but uh usually at the eighth pole the horse is in front of win it. So I you know, I I gotta give that horse line of David a, a big shot. Uh John Sandler's got the horse, he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, like, like Mike said, Fletcher's O for twenty four with uh Escondero and uh Baffert, you know, uh, looking at Lucky, that I, I just that's a to me that, that's where I'm gonna put my money and, and line of David'll be kind of my uh outside uh horse.
1: For a price, John Kenton Court. No tougher nickel is this guy. I'm telling you what. He uh, he came back from California. He's a torturer at Ellis Park, and uh, he he made made his way out to SoCal, and he he made his way back and uh, found a found a nice place as well as Corey Nakatani uh, came back and rode at Oakland. Oakland had a very nice uh, colony as well as I don't think there's been a better one at
2: Keeneland. Yeah, I mean he's. He's a hell of a rider. It, it, you know, I, I'm just I'm impressed with this horse, and you know, Baffert's done it before. Um, like I said, those last two races, he's had a lot of trouble. He he, he won, and then finished respectfully. And I, you know, I, I think uh, I, you know, Court didn't punish him in the uh, Santa Anita Derby, and I really think he's got a huge shot. Well, Mac, we've got you written
1: down in pen. May I make an arrangement where you and I will do this again, but I need more of this. Anything we want, Ed. You know that. Mac, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it, and look forward to seeing you at the races, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow. You got it. John McDoolin, daily race form columnist, equibase man, heck of a handicapper, and a man I call a friend. Final furlong handicapping. Got to do it real quick here. I agree with Steve and many others. Defoni Bone, one to two in the Withers going to be really tough to beat, and that's in the ninth at Aqueduct on Saturday. Ninth race at Churchill. There's going to be a nice little turf race in there, and I like a long shot. Well, not really a long shot. 8 to 1, Molly, 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 Corey Nakatani, and George Weaver. There's plenty of pace here, and I see Molly, Molly, Molly. Just loving it all the way down. The 10th race at Churchill Downs is the Grade 3 Derby Trial. Plenty of pace as well. And I think that Pleasant Prince, Mike Pataglia alluded to uh, the, uh, the favorite, but I'm going to say that Pleasant Prince gets the job done in the Derby Trial, the Cliff's Edge Derby Trial. It's a nice grade three because a couple of runners need it for some graded earnings money. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing, and this week is no different. So, until next week, we creep up on Kentucky Derby One We'd like to thank Mr. Mike Pataglia for being our guest, Mr. John McDoolin, Steve from Union, Kentucky, for calling in, and you for listening. So until next week, as we're closing in on Derby 136, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.